In this week's episode of Studio Inter, we'll be reviewing the win against Genoa. We'll be previewing the matches against Parma and Atalanta. We'll be analyzing Inter Scudetto chances together with Serie A commentator Andrew Pickering. This week's Moji Moratti and Frog, and much, much more. Everything here on Studio Inter on elsempreinter.com. Benvenuti, bentornati to another edition of Studio Inter. I'm your host, Nima Tavallo Iruzzari, wishing all Interisti welcome. Who, uh, I'm sure you're all walking on clouds right now uh, after the fifth Serie A win on the trot for the Nerazzurri. But before we get into all of that, let me welcome my panelists, starting with SempreInter.com's own preview writer, Mr. Mohamed Nasa. Hello, hello. Very nice to be here, everyone. It's good to have you. Um, uh, let's uh, le- and we're also joined by uh, Semprinter.com's chief news ed- ed- editor, Mr. William Beckman. God, it's difficult to talk sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> You're lost for words, like I saw. Me. <laughs> uh, I've just I've just looked down at my computer and it says first of March, and it just reminded me that uh, we've officially ended winter now. Although I suppose some people say it's the twenty second of March, but let's go with. The first of March. Well, obviously, that means that we are now past the uh, the window for the winter of discontent. We've avoided it for a year, and we can move on. That threat has been on the list of scudetto obstacles. We can cross that one off. Mm, we'll get into all of that. Um, we're also joined by our good friend from a frozen Texas, apparently, um, all in Houston, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken. Dallas, um, Dallas, Dallas. I always we mix all, up Dallas. We all got it. So let's hope that Will's prediction of the winter discontent being over continues to ring true because uh, losing power for three days is uh, enough for one year for me. Yeah, and and when you live in Texas, I think one of the one of the reasons you move or you know you decide to live in Texas is to always have perpetual sunshine, not the Arctic winter that I've seen you guys have. Um, we, we get a little bit of everything, uh, as my, my wife, who is a California girl, will tell you, because we left much better weather. But that said, <laughs> we don't get this stuff. This is what you get in Sweden, Niba. Yeah. You guys are prepared for it. We, yeah. we were not prepared at all. No, you weren't. And I saw that. And it really looked worse in, 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 in where you were in Dallas than it did in, well, I, it's, it's not been that bad here in Gothenburg. Like, it was crazy. So. Have you have you considered packing up your bags and, and flying to Mexico, Mike? I hear that's a <laughs> done thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, if, if our esteemed senator thinks it's a good idea, uh, that leader of men decides that that's the best course of action. Who am I? Who am I to question Ted Cruz's brilliance? <laughs> Ted Cruz. Right. Let's let's not linger on 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 that. Let's talk about much more uh, interesting uh, people and things uh, by introducing uh, our good friend. He's a Serie A commentator. Uh, he has just recently moved to a to the most beautiful part of Italy, if you ask me, or one of the most beautiful parts of Italy, where it's perpetual sunshine in Sardinia. Welcome back, welcome back, Mr. Andrew Pickering. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me. Yep, from um, sunny Cagliari, although it was overcast today. It's normally sunny. Uh, I hate to uh, rub it in the face of our friend from (laughs) frozen Dallas, but um, (laughs) yeah, it's certainly not frozen here. No, keep the guest room open for me, Andrew. That's all I ask. (laughs) (laughs) Right, let's get into it, Andrew. Um, um, You and I have been talking a little bit about this um, 
uh, about Inter and, 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 and exchanging messages on, on Twitter and, and WhatsApp and stuff. And I, I'm keen to hear, this is the first time we've had you on this season, and, I, and I'm really keen to hear how you, how you view this. Um, are Inter now the favorites to win the Scudetto? Uh, are you team Mr. Positivity, a.k.a. Mo Nassar? Or are you a little bit more uh, apprehensive to saying that it's, it's a done deal, like Mr. Negativity, apparently, Nima Tavale Ruzzari? Where are you on that scale? I am going to be incredibly boring and say somewhere in the middle. Um, <laughs> there's, there's no doubt Inter are favourites. I mean, they're four points clear at the top of the table. Um, I think at the they have the they have the most cohesive squad. I think they they've found they've stumbled on the golden ticket. Maybe stumbled is a bit harsh. Harsh. They but they've they've found the team that works i think and they're they're looking very very strong um going into the final third of the season um there's no way you can say it's done and dusted because four points can disappear in the blink of an eye you only need a slight wobble and suddenly yeah the at least milan behind you are one one win away from overtaking you so it's certainly not done and dusted but just the way into season has been going it really feels as though it's in a crescendo it's just been getting better and better and better i know there's been a few downs uh as well not so long ago it's it's strange in that sense that i was looking back at a quote from antonio conte less than a month ago when he was talking about the the project being frozen or stopped in august um yeah that to think that was less than a month ago i think after the the um, exit from the Coppa Italia against Juventus. It it does seem a strange season from Inter, but it, to me, it just seems to be getting better and better. They're definitely favourites. Do I think they'll do it? Yes, I do. Mm. I'll hand you over to Mo. Mo, did you have a question for Andrew? Yeah, hi, Andrew. Uh, great to have you hey. on. Um, so I, just, I, I have a question for you, and I'm going to frame it in a, uh, contextually. Seeing that Roma have been uh, perennial uh, losers or, or underperformers against other top teams, and that Inter have seemed to have uh, picked up a habit over the years of uh, blowing leads, which result over this weekend do you think is more impressive? Milan managing to win away at Olimpico uh, or Inter managing to beat Genoa uh, despite it being a traditional Inter uh, trap game? You know, um, uh, and do you think the the either result bears any value towards a further prediction of what the season might end like? I, I think the, the most impressive of the results has to be Milan, I think, because I I was strongly, strongly thinking that Roma would win that. I thought Milan were just on yeah. a, not so much a downward trajectory, but really maybe just reverting... I think they've been overperforming slightly in the first half of the season and maybe they were just reverting back and getting the sort of results that maybe their play warrants, which might be a defeat against Roma. But to turn that round into a win and in an impressive style, I think, and also the performance as well, because, I mean, you can you can win by not playing well sometimes and pick up the odd the odd win here and there, but they they deserve the win and they... Yeah, they outplayed Roma for me. And um, I think that has to be a more impressive result than Inter's win over Genoa. I think 
the the win over Genoa, I think it massively helped that they had one eye on the on the derby in midweek. You know the the changes that they made, I think, really played into Inter's hands. Um, and you know it it could have been it could have been six nil. Really, it was a completely one sided affair. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah. I can understand from Inter's fans' point of view why that feels like maybe a bigger result than it is because it would be very Inter if they demolished Milan in the derby and then <laughs> lost 1-0 to Genoa thanks to a 30-yard rifle from a young midfielder. <laughs> or Goran uh, Pandev. Or yes, <laughs> most definitely. Yeah, or, yeah a 90-minute uh, Pandev uh, winner, you know, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, as he does a cookie eye over the goalkeeper, yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's, um, I, th- I think that was a reassuring result for Inter, whereas I think Milan's result um, against Roma was really not quite a marker in the sand, but it, w- it was something that maybe could uh, stop the rot, so to speak, in Milan, which might be a slight exaggeration, but it, it could be something that turns their turns into a mini revival from them. Mm, for sure. Um, Will, did you have a question for Andrew? Yes. Hi, Andrew. Not jealous at all of the, uh, <laughs> the temperatures you're getting down there in, uh, in Sardinia. But leaving that to one side, um, one of the things that, uh, you know, has been surprising me over the last, maybe the last three games, certainly, I don't know if I saw this before then, is just the, the, the really nice, watchable quality of this, the football that Inter are playing. You know, there were some moves in that, in that general game on Sunday that were something that you wouldn't necessarily expect from, I'm going to say you wouldn't necessarily expect from a team coached by Antonio Conte. I don't know if that's fair, but I've certainly never admired the, the aesthetic quality of his teams before. And I, and I do support Chelsea, who he won the league with a few years ago. But some of the moves were incredible, and so much so that I saw Conte's. He's now taken to to publishing clips of Inter's moves on Instagram and asking fans to tell him whether it's tiki taka or, or direct football, which is quite entertaining. But leaving that aside, I saw a column in one of the newspapers today that said that um, Inter are potentially playing the best football that the league has seen all season. Not just the best football of their own season, but the highest quality of the of play that we've seen all season. And so I just wanted to ask, do you think that's fair? Because we've that's but that's been the, the the accolade that Milan have had throughout the season. And you know, do you think it matters? You know, do you think that makes it more likely that we'll hang on to um that this lead at the top of the table because everything looks like it's functioning like a Swiss watch? Or do you think that this is just a nice little added bonus and that um we we may be I may be overplaying it because I love Christian Eriksen so much? <laughs> um I, I... I don't think it's wrong to say it's the best football over the last three games that, yeah, probably Serie A has seen this season. Um, the stuff they played against Milan was, yeah, just ruthless and crisp. And you can see them opening up teams at will. And like I said, against Genoa, it could have been a lot more than 3 0. Um, and I don't think it's unfair on Antonio Conte to say that his previous teams have gone more towards being functional than pretty that they've they've had football in them because his teams have nearly always had good footballers in them as well but uh, yeah I, I don't think it's unfair to say he has previously been more of a, a functional manager than an idealist in terms of playing a passing game but um yeah i i think that the football inter have been playing uh, the the it's it's nice to have it in in that way it could be an added bonus um 
but it's also coupled with a, a really tight defence that is functioning just as well, really, as the side that's going forward as well. When you look, I think they've conceded two in, I think, eight games, I think it is. Um, I have it written down somewhere. Um, but they they haven't conceded a lot of goals. And when, when you couple that with a side that is very, very fluent, very effective uh, going forward... Um, yeah, I, I think I think this is a very very good period for Inter. The the question in terms of whether they can win the league is will it continue? I I, I do feel as though it is. I'm not entirely sure if that's uh, answered your question or not. I hope it has. I'm <laughs> getting I'm getting goosebumps listening to Andrew talk about uh, the football we've been playing. We've been playing Inter. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's been very good. There's no doubt about that. I think a, p- a big reason of that is is also how the how he's managed to incorporate Ivan Perisic and Christian Eriksen into this system. Um, approaching, you know, not only I've said it I've said it on this pod a couple of times. I think the most impressive thing I've I've, I've ever seen of Antonio Conte. Um, is, or, or in my opinion, when he's at his best is when his back is against the wall and he has no options to go into the transfer market and bring Gervinho or whatever madness he's he's, <laughs> he's he's obsessed with that week. But when he's actually, he's got this group of players, this is who you've got, Antonio. This is what you've got to make work. I think that's when he's at his best. And his, his ability to not, you know, because Christian Eriksen and Ivan Perisic are established stars. They're no teenagers. So to be able to get them to not only buy into the idea and buy into adapting to a new role, but also doing it wholeheartedly and also having the wisdom to adapt the balance of the team to get the best out of them is 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 is, is phenomenal. And that's all him. And this during a pandemic, this during the question marks surrounding who oh who will own the club on a daily basis, on on back on the back of payment, you know, wages not being paid out, that's incredibly difficult. And, and to me, he is at his best in the most difficult circumstances. Um, when when he's forced to give 120% from all angles. Um, and, and I think that is that that's why that's why this this team is looking is playing so such good football is because with the Brozovic Barella Eriksson midfield trio, which I've been in love with since the Fiorentina Coppa Italia game, is I think that he's he's he, if they if teams pressure and and mark out Brozovic, then you've got Christian Eriksen to create, uh, and if you go on him, then you've got Brozovic, and then you've got Barella's physique, and Barella can do everything. He's a tutocampista pretty much. He can cross, he can shoot, he can create, he can do everything. That that makes Inter really unpredictable. Um, just a comment, just to hear your comments on that before I hand you over to Mike. Uh, yeah, you've, you've actually raised about three points that I had written down in my notes already. So oh. I'm beginning to think maybe you've seen my notes and <laughs> into my Google Drive or something. <laughs> but, uh, no, no, that, that midfield is, um, yeah, he has found a way for those three players to work together because I think they are, to me, they're the best three midfielders at the club, but it doesn't always work that those midfielders work together. But it's... It's very hard to see anything that's lacking in that midfield because obviously Brozovic can can keep possession ticking over. Christian Eriksen can pick a killer pass far easier than a lot of other midfielders in Serie A and probably in Europe as well. And then Nicolo Barella is... I mean, I, I tweeted during the derby that I, I just 
don't know what his game is missing. I can't think of a thing he does badly. I mean, I, I jokingly said that I don't like his haircut. That's about the biggest, the, the, <laughs> the lo- biggest the insult I can give. The lockdown, the lockdown hair he's got going on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That That's about it. Because, I mean, I don't know what his heading ability is like. Maybe that's not very good. But, I mean, everything that you want from a midfielder, he does. And he's he's also got that slight edge to him that he will he will go and kick you if he's getting annoyed, which I think is, <laughs> is, is not bad to have in a midfielder. Mm, for sure. Um, Mike? He scored a pretty, uh, sorry, he, he did score a pretty decent header for Italy against uh, against the Netherlands during the qualifiers for the Europe. Well, there you go. He's absolutely well, flawless. Well, yeah. the, the funny thing with that is also how, I mean, he's revealed that his mother wanted him to become a basketball player like that, <laughs> when he was growing up. Like she thought, of, uh, he doesn't strike me that he's been the tallest kid in class ever in his life. But apparently that's what, and he loves basketball. Apparently that's his thing. He's a big LeBron James fan, huge NBA fan, which is, you know, which is also kind of funny given that he's not very tall. Um, but you know, if you know Fabio Cannavaro was fantastic in the air, so why not you, Nico? Go for the dreams, <laughs> aim for the sky. Um, Mike, did you have a question for Andrew? I do. Um, Mo actually mentioning the Azores a little bit of what I was going to ask you next. Uh, you know, I can't help but look a little bit ahead to the to the transfer window, only because I think so many Inter fans are expecting a change in goal um, or expecting a new keeper to be coming in. And you, as somebody who sees the whole league, I think would have great perspective on this because more than any time, I think maybe in recent memory, there are a lot of options from mid and lower table sides that Inter could go for to replace Samir Hantanovic. Uh, if you are, and I've asked this question before to David Amayal when he was on, I'll ask a varied version of this to you because I feel like a lot of the candidates actually are Italian and I can't remember an Italian goalkeeping pool that's as deep as it is right now. So let me put it to you like this, because this is going to be an Italy question that probably answers some of where I think us Inter fans should keep an eye over the summer. If you are taking the squad to Euro 2021 and you have to pick your number two and your number three keepers behind Donnarumma, who who are you taking? Is it Cranio, Mattia Perin? Are we talking Golini, Silvestri? You know, Salvatore Sirigu is still a thing. Who have been at this glut of Italian keepers? Who are the ones that stand out to you behind Donnarumma? Uh, that's a very, very, very good question. Um, I think I'm taking Cranio. Some of the stops I've seen him make yes. this season and... <laughs> Cagliari also bad. He has had a lot of stops to make, but um, it's the Sardinia I mean, bias there. <laughs> no, it's the it's the Eusebio Di Francesco. He needed to leave. He never he should never have been brought in, and immediately they win again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm one of those fools that thought maybe he was a good appointment, but I have been proved emphatically wrong on that. Yeah, and admittedly, I am. I am based in Cagliari and I've now said how great Nicolo Barella and Alessio Cranio are, so there's definitely <laughs> a bit of bias there. But, no, I think Cranio, if if Cagliari go down, or even if they stay up by the skin of their teeth, like I think Cranio is going to be a goalkeeper at a, a better club than Cagliari. And I, could that be someone towards the top of the table? Yeah, I think it could be. But I mean, I would definitely have him in behind Donnarumma and then... Yeah, I've, then I was, for me, it's probably between Golini and Sirigu. I don't think Sirigu's having a fantastic season. Uh, I think he started very well. He's m- maybe having a bit of a wobble at the moment. Um, yeah, I, I would probably take Golini. I think he's he's always he's always impressed me. 
I think he's still got things to improve on, obviously. I'm fairly sure he's still quite young. I'm desperately just Googling to see how young he is to make sure I haven't made a mistake. And he's not 35. No, he's 25, which for a, for a goalkeeper is still quite young. So, um, yeah, I would take those two. Definitely Cranio. I think the third one... There's there's not too much between maybe the likes of Golini and Sirigu uh, or maybe even Alex Meret as well. But uh, yeah, I would probably I take him. There's so many. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's, I, yeah I mean, me, I think, okay. Sorry, sorry. No, to me, look, when you've got young two young goalkeepers in Cranion Donnarumma and you've got someone like Gigi Buffon sitting there at Juventus doing what he's doing, accepting that role... With the experience he has, you there is no one else as a third keeper than Gigi Buffon. You cannot find a better third keeper than Gigi Buffon. It's just, just for this world, just for the tournament. Like Roberto, call your old mate Gigi. Like that's you, <laughs> you know, it's just just call him. You know, I I just don't, you know, if he, given that he's accepted the role that and, and he's done it so well at Juventus, being a backup and not treading on on the hierarchy at all, I think he's shown and, and the experience he has. I think. As a third keeper, who's better? What do you think, Andrew? Yeah, that's a very good call and one I hadn't even thought about. So, um, yeah, if if you're looking, I mean, how often does a third keeper at a tournament really take to the pitch? It's very, 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 very rare, mm. I would say. So, so yeah, if yeah. you're talking about someone who can go in there, who has done it before, who has pretty much been to every major championships and every major final of every major competition, pretty much... Um, mm. Yeah, it's it's a great call. You've you've completely outshone my answer there. <laughs> <laughs> no, Gigi Buffon is uh, the Tommaso Berni of Juventus, I think that, no. <laughs> except for less nudity, I guess, and and not as much. Well, I don't know, that hippie, we know of. Sorry, that we know of. That we know, well, I'm 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 just going off of Tommaso Berni's Instagram and the uh, the 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 hippie yoga kumbaya stuff that he puts on. <laughs> <laughs> With his girlfriend in, I think it was Goa, and and they were walking around in sarongs and doing these artsy photos with them naked, holding each other, not showing anything that was that you're not supposed to show, but looking intellectually into the deep, into the horizon. It was just, that yeah, the, the archetypal one was toy, wasn't it? It's exactly what you want. The sort of <laughs> soothing, uh, therapeutic presence that. Uh, Although we're winning the league potentially without him, so I don't know what that says about his. Uh, I, I think if it proves nothing else, it proves that the best career in the world is third choice goalkeeper. <laughs> <laughs> like just with money that. for nothing, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant! Thank you so much for coming on, Andrew. Uh, before we let you, you go, I mean, you've already said that you think Inter are going to win. Um, who's going to finish second to fourth? Because um, it's it's a hornet's nest. I I think. Juventus are going to have some sort of revival um, mm. and probably finish second. And then I'll go for another Atalanta third and Milan fourth. Ooh. Although I was a lot sure of that before Milan beat Roma, but I'll stick to it just because I'm stubborn more than anything else. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, before we let you go, do you, do you, I mean, is there anything you have coming up that you want to plug your social media, whatever the floor is yours? Um, oh, good question. Do I have anything coming up? That probably means no. If I haven't, <laughs> no, I've got a I've got a couple of commentaries coming up. Um, although a few weeks away now on for match week twenty eight, I've got Spezia Cagliari, the latest instalment in the relegation drama that is Cagliari, and also Alas Verona and Atalanta. But um, 
yeah, quite honestly, other than that, I think most most of my other work is behind the scenes, so nothing I can really plug. Well, we'll be sure to check check out the commentary. Always enjoy listening to you uh, and also banter with you on on social <laughs> media. Um, yeah, that, so that will be going on. <laughs> yes, that will be going on. I hope that never changes. Um, <laughs> um, thank you so much for coming on, uh, Andrew. Uh, if what's your social? What's your tw- handle on Twitter? What's your handle on Twitter if people want to get in touch it with you? It is Malianera eighty six, which is not the easiest. It's M A G L I A N E R A eighty six. Thank you so much, Andrew. Thank you. No problem at all, guys. Thanks Thanks for having me on. It's always good to chat a bit of footy. And, uh, yeah, have a good evening. Cheers. Take care. Bye Thank bye. you. Right. Um, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about the Genoa game. Um, I, uh, I mean, to me, I mean, everyone watching that game, um, even Genoa's social media manager was impressed by how Inter completely dominated um, uh Genoa uh, at some at one point when they tweeted out uh, almost admiration of how Genoa were being outplayed by Inter, as in Genoa's Twitter guy, the guy whoever runs that, um, <laughs> it, it was quite, kind of bizarre to see. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen a club, a club's Twitter man, uh, handle comment that like that. So so complimentary about the, the team that's literally beating them uh, as they were but but i mean if we leave that little sideshow aside um it was it was very interesting to 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 see that we i noted one thing and that's 60 points 60 goals inter have scored and we're frustrated and we're right to be frustrated that inter don't score more given how many chances they miss they are by far the team that have scored the most in the Serie A and and they're setting records in for inter in the Serie A by scoring this much I, I'm having trouble to like. I've thought about this, and I and I don't think it's us being fans and and not and demanding more of Inter. But if because I think that given the amount of chances, we should have at least have 10, 10 15 more goals in the Serie A. Um, but part of me is like, well, if you can if you can miss this many chances and score sixty goals still, that that's that's also a huge sign of strength. Um, uh, what do you what did you what do you make of this, Mo? Yeah, look, um, I agree in the sense that um, uh, it's very frustrating. All these chances, uh, all these chances that weren't taken, but they were much more frustrating in the earlier part of the season when 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 the results weren't coming. Mm. Um, I I think it, at this point where where we're at, uh, the most important thing is the three points. If we're able to get the three points in any way, that's great. If we're able to get the three points while playing well, that's fantastic. If we're able to get the three points while creating a ton of chances, that's amazing. You know, so just scoring four or five or six instead of three doesn't really matter. On the other hand, I also am very, I'm quite loath uh, to, you know, congratulate Inter after a six or seven nil win. You know, like the ones we'd have. We, we spoke about this last week, I think, or maybe the week before the Sassuolo, uh, the Mazzari Sassuolo matches. You know, uh, wins that are so one-sided, that are so lopsided, tend to sometimes be a bit hollow, in the sense that uh, you're not able to really sustain the same sort of uh, level of performance and result, in particular week after week. So, while I I, I feel bad that you know the numbers aren't more impressive uh, as in the sense that you know the potential is there and they could be but at the same time 
I'm also glad that we're not doing the six, seven, whatever nil matches and then, you know, run out of steam against, uh, you know, steady, steady working towards a mean, a very impressive mean for that matter, you know, still by far the highest goal differential, uh, you know, uh, uh, double double the nearest uh, the nearest contender in terms of goal differential uh, the top by by far the highest number of goals scored so uh, yeah I, I I'm not it doesn't bother me too much as a matter of fact uh, scoring more goals might in you know somehow be a bit uh, might might not play well for us I think counterintuitively. Mm. Uh, Mike, I'm keen to hear what you make of, uh, I mean, uh, uh, not this game itself, because I think it was, you know, this Inter were completely steamrolled Genoa. And the only thing that was frustrating was that, you know, we had to wait until the, I think it was 66th minute uh, or 62nd minute where Darmian scored um, Inter's second. Uh, and the fact that all three goals were scored by former Manchester United players is also something that I <laughs> that, that was really, really funny uh, to me. Um, but I'm, I'm keen to, like... Based on everything we've seen, I mean, since you last were on, and everything we've seen in Inta, I'm keen to hear what your take is. Where do you think this is going? I think they're going to win the league. Is where I think it's going. Which really, really, last time I was last time I was here, but that was not a thing that I felt. No, so that was I did not. You felt, right? <laughs> I came no. on last after Udinese, mm. and the amount of growth this team has had in a month and a half is wild. Uh, but it's real, genuine growth. And if this team does win the league, then, you know, I do think there is going to be a lot of, you know, because Inter were the trendy pick before the year, right? So many people thought this is the year they were going to do it. And I think there will be a lot of people who pat themselves on the back and then say, hey, you know, we were right all along, Inter won. And I think that's missing the point because this team hasn't played this way the whole year. This team, from the start of the year through early, through late January, did not look close to what they are right now. This is genuine growth, and it's growth for Antonio Conte as far as being flexible in his tactics. It is growth for Antonio Conte about quitting, stopping being stubborn about Christian Eriksen and realizing that he should play him. It is growth by the players like Eriksen and Perisic to adapt to what Conte needs. But the bottom line is this team over the last month plus, nobody's on their level. They keep playing like this. They stay healthy. It's a different team. Uh, there's just, you, you know, and you guys did a great discussion of that with Andrew. You know, we already talked about that before, about why the midfield balance is different. You could watch yesterday's match. And yeah, yesterday's match is only to tell you so much by itself. But what it shows you, where were those chances coming? It wasn't just up the flanks like it had been so often the first half of the year. It was ball after ball in the middle of the pitch. And Genoa couldn't do anything about it. A lot of that is Ericsson, both what he's doing directly and indirectly. But there's so much more tactical flexibility with this team now. I mean, I was always worried, not just about the mentality, but just they're going to be a midfielder short and they don't have a left back. Well, now they suddenly have a left back and they are clearly not a midfielder short if Ericsson keeps playing this way. So there's, there's some time for this to all unravel. Sure. I'm not going to sit here and say, Hey, over the next, uh, you know, that the last five fixtures means that this team is solved. It, it's not that way, but to me, it isn't just how they're playing, but you see something like yesterday where I think a lot of inter fans and I saw it on Twitter too, right? You know, until Darmian scores the second goal, I saw some hand wringing out there about, Oh, we know what's going to happen. You know, general's going to equalize inter going to blow chances. I didn't feel that way. For the first time in a long time, I didn't feel that way because I looked at this team and I looked at their mentality and looked what's on the pitch and I said, no, they're going to figure this out. And that to me was evident in the Milan match where 
you know, even if Hondanovic makes those three saves, so many other Inter teams wouldn't have gotten the second goal. But not only did Inter get the second goal on a beautiful piece of teamwork, but the third goal comes in and it's Romelu Lukaku you know, pounding his chest with some attitude of, you know, this is my goal. I'm getting that goal. And that's what happened yesterday. Inter weathered the storm. They waited. They were patient. They were calm. Two more goals come in, you know, wash your hands of it all to the next one. So I do think this team is different. I can't believe I'm saying this. I can't believe I have somehow talked myself in this team winning the league. But I look at where they're at. If you know, if, you, if you're a numbers guy, 538, I believe had us at a 79% chance to win the league at this point. So the data points to this too. The goal differential is so wide above everybody else. Uh, it's it just feels like it's finally come together. And for so long this year, I resisted it. But now I look at what this team has looked like, and there aren't weaknesses anymore. And if that holds up. I don't know who's going to touch them because they just played three of the five best teams below them on the table and they pounded all three of them. So what more do you really want to see, you know? Right. Will, um, I, I'm building on Mike's point there. That's something, this is something I wanted to, to basically, um, to ask all of you, but I want to start with you. Um, you know, the upcoming games, and I think this is where it's really important because I saw some people talking about, oh, Inter are going to win the league by 10 points. I think that's that's ridiculous. I don't think you're going to see that. But I, 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 I'm I still not there where you guys are to say that Inter are going to win the Serie A. I really don't see it like that. I think that there's too many, there's, there's quite a few twists and turns left in this tale before you can say anything definitive. But I do stand by what I said, and that is that if Inter go out after the Atalanta game with a seven-point advantage to whoever is in second place, then yes, I think Inter are, are absolutely going to win the league. Um, and but but that's going to be decided over the next week because for me the Roma Milan beating Roma was not so surprising given how Roma act in in big games. What surprised me was how thoroughly Milan d- defeated Roma and should have scored at least three four goals more, um, uh, disregarding all the controversy. But for me the trap game for both of these clubs is now this week the the, the the midweek game where milan take on udinese who we know can frustrate everyone and anyone and inter go to a parma who have been two nil up against spezia and udinese and drop that to two two and this is it and it's at a stadium where inter have you know historically st- struggled a little bit so for me, Parma, uh, Milan's game against Udinese and Parma Inter is more indicative of what happens in the Scudetto than in the Scudetto race for both of these two, uh, more than Inter Atalanta and and, and um, Milan's game with with Hellas Verona, which is also a very tough game. Um, I'm keen to hear what your thoughts on this. Like for me, it's like up until the up until the the international break, which is when Inter will play, will also play Torino and Sassuolo. That's where we will know where this is. Where are you on this, Will? Well, I would just um, I would just reiterate, or maybe clarify what I said last week. And I was talking about how this league is ours to lose. When I, what I meant really by that was not that I'm certain Inter are going to win the league. What I meant was if we don't win it, there's no excuse. That's really what I meant. I'm not. Ah. Absolutely, sort of. That's where I'm. That's where I'm either. at too, for the record. Yeah. yeah, I'm. I'm where Will is. I'm not necessarily saying they for sure are winning. I just think it is their their lead to lose, and I'm struggling to see the way they're playing how they lose it. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not Mo level yet, and I and Mo will be the first person to take the victory lap, deservedly so, if this does happen. I just want to clarify. Mm. Okay. Yeah. So, um, 
that that's that's basically where I'm at. And I, look, this is a really big week. Obviously, this is one of the one of the few weeks uh, in the next couple of months or so where we don't have the the free week advantage with uh, with European games because we're all playing in midweek. So uh, that's a leveler as well. I agree that Pardon was a really as a really difficult match. You you know that um, obviously after the derby, Conte said that I want to wait for these games against Genoa and Parma before we we make any sweeping statements about this team's maturity because you know the games against Milan and Lazio they're games that you're always going to be up for and and that these next two games against teams that we should be beating um, will tell us a lot about our maturity. Now we've passed the first test, but it's all, it's all you know when you score after thirty seconds, I kind of think. But there's part of me that always thinks great, and there's part of me that kind of thinks when analysing the result. Okay, but that's not going to happen very often. So it maybe isn't very indicative for how we're going to cope with with matches coming up. So uh, I don't really know how much to uh, to draw from Genoa in terms of how we're going to play the Parma game because um, you know the, the problem or the fear with Genoa was scoring the first goal, um, but we did that within a minute. Um, so unless we do the same against Parma, then it's going to be quite difficult. In that, maybe that'll be the game that. Um, is, is finally the game where we're not allowed to play on the counter-attack. I keep waiting for a team to deny us the counter-attack. We keep managing to do it. Um, so maybe that'll be the one. But no, I, 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 the, the Atalanta game is harder, let's be honest. Parma are in the... They've Parma won twice all season. Um, admittedly, they got a point back in October um, when they did exactly what they did, what you just said against Betty Rudinese. They took a 2-0 lead at San Siro and, and, uh, and they threw it away. I remember that last year, this game at the Tardini was the one where we got that fantastic gift of Conte sort of dying in the stands in stoppage time when, <laughs> when uh, Lukaku had missed, uh, or Sanchez, or Moses, or someone had missed mm. the count, had, had um, thrown away a counter I, th- I think it so, was. I think it was the. Epi- I think that was the Victor fucking hell episode. It was. Yeah. Yeah. It was, that was. Yeah. I mean, we were already two one up by that point, but it. Yeah. It was a really difficult game. We were losing until ten minutes to go, and Jovino could have had a hat trick. So yeah, this is yeah. this is not a game that I'm taking for granted by any means. Um, yeah, it does feel like a good week. I mean, Milan have lost them. They've lost Ibrahimovic. They've lost um, Chalanoglu as well. And Rebic, I think, is going to be is going to be back pretty quickly. They said that he's he's not got a serious problem, but Ibrahimovic is going to be out for another couple of weeks. So you know, if Milan can stay on our coattails through these next two or three games, then yeah, this isn't going to be done anytime soon. I think that maybe their their win against Roma is a good thing for us because it you know. Obviously, I'd prefer them to drop points, but if maybe this will ensure that we don't lose our concentration, because there could, there is a very realistic possibility that um, having been seven points clear momentarily mm. after the general game, we will go onto that pitch against Parma with a one-point lead because Milan yeah. had the day before us. Exactly, and that'll be, and it'll be the same again with the Verona and Atalanta games uh, at the weekend because they'll play before us again. So, yeah, this is this is a key moment. If we beat Atalanta, then. And we're still four. I think even if we beat we beat Antalatta and we're we're four points clear, I think that puts us in a a really good position. Um, I just don't see at the moment any reason, and I I am nervous saying this because I know which team I support, <laughs> but I just don't see any bad signs at the moment. You know, I'll tell it, you, I'll tell you which ones. Um, Brozovic, Bar- uh, Luka- Lukaku getting a yellow okay. card. Brozovic okay. getting sent off. Bastoni and Barella also getting a yellow card. So you turn up to Atalanta without those four. Okay, How do you but like that's... that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe if you wanted to be nitpicky about the Genoa game, for it to have been a perfect afternoon, one or two of them might have picked up the booking. But, but you mm. know, we saw what happened against against with Calabria against Spetti. You know, that doesn't always work. So I'm not. Ag- I'm I'm against that. Um, the, the yellow cards will. Well, that, tell you what, that is that is the one thing that is a risk at the moment is if you have a multiple suspension for for one of these for any of these games, not just Parma, uh, not just Atalanta, sorry, because if you take out Lukaku and, and Barella for one match, then 
we're going to have trouble against anyone potentially. And, and on that note, it was good that Sanchez scored yesterday because we're going to need him at some mm. point in the next few weeks. Um, but this is, I don't think, I don't know if I've really answered your question, but um, yes, this is, this feels like a very big week because we have, a, we have our last really tough game for a month or so in Atalanta and we have a, a match against a team who took points off us earlier in the season. Um, so, yeah, yeah, it's a key week. Let's let's be honest. And and if Milan get through this week with six points, then this is going to be a really good race because they're clearly no, that, that would show to the they, wire. Then yeah. it's going to the wire. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind. If if Milan can beat Udinese and Hellas, Hellas away, who we know can cause anyone troubles, yeah, because dominated they, Juventus at the weekend. Yeah, well. and 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 not only that. I mean, they they have been they have been a problem for Juve and for Inter and for the top teams, Hellas. For two seasons now, they are a good team. They they don't concede anything. They're incredibly disciplined. They 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 hurt you. Um, you know, it's it's one of the few times I've seen Antonio Conte actually adapt to the opponent. Was against playing the three four two one or three four three against Hellas away, which Inter won. Uh, but but still, that you know, they are they are a tricky team. Um, and and to do that with Aribra and and, and Chalanoglu and Rebic and we'll see how you know all of that. We'll, 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 I think this is more key than the Roma game. Because Fonseca just doesn't know and doesn't understand that he needs to change his approach when playing the best teams in the Serie A, and and hence you see the results they have against the top sides. But I mean, let's start with the Parma game. Um, let's start with predictions and all that. I'll start with you, Mo. Um, do you, are you seeing another Genoa performance, or are you gonna, are you seeing something a bit more of a like a trap game here? And what, what's your prediction? Well. Yeah, let me start by saying I I I, I just wanted to say uh, what uh, Will had said uh, right before, um, which is uh, I I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing that Milan won. I mean, of course, like you said uh, as well, Nima, it'd be great for them to draw points, but I think maintaining that bit of pressure on the team will really um, alert the senses and make sure that uh, you know the the guys are really up for it, even if it might seem like a, a straightforward match. The other thing I want to say is um, when I do the predictions for for the website, it, w- one striking thing you know that's that's been happening more and more often over the past couple of years, especially under the Conte project, is the team sort of does what you expect it to do. Um, and I know we we've given Conte a lot of stick for uh, you know uh, failing to live up to the non-Pazza Inter and then st- Inter still being Pazza and whatever. But really, if there's one thing that I, I sort of feel in my gut now is that a lot of times you feel you look at this inter side and think, ah, you know, I've been so conditioned over the years to expect the worst and this is a trap game. But over the last year and a half or so, inter have gen- generally, generally, you know, barring some, you know, cup exits and uh, disappointing results in Europe, but in the league have generally done what they should do when you look at um the head to head between the teams and, and and what their opponents are like on, uh, on paper at least so i i think against against parma it is a difficult team it is a difficult stadium uh, there there is uh, the, you know there is the diversa factor with conte and and there is all that but i think in the end the better team will win and the better team is inter and you know you, you spoke about teams you know, allowing Inter to counterattack. But also at the same time, Antonio Conte's Inter project in the beginning of the year, last in the beginning of last year, 
was the Inter that would steamroll teams that defended deep as well. So it's not like, you know, while Spalletti would have, it would have problems with teams that sat back against Inter and, and, and therefore do well against uh, the bigger six, the big, the big six or whatever, you know, the seven sisters, uh, uh, Spalletti's teams would generally perform well against stronger p- opposition. The knock was that Spalletti's Inter would not do well against the, the, the provincials. But the Conte project does do well against teams that sit back eventually. Sooner or later, the, 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 the onslaught is just too much for defenses to bear. So, you know, it's great that they give, they give Lukaku and, and, and Lautaro and now Eriksen and, and Hakimi and whoever all the space to, for them to run into. But at the same time, if they do sit back, it's just a matter of time before the team unlocks them. So, barring some unforeseen, ridiculous defensive errors or Samir Handanovic, uh, Elas Verona-esque brain farts or whatever, um, I think all in all uh, we'll be good and we'll come out of this match with, a, with, a, with all three points. Okay, so give me a prediction. Uh, I, I, I'm still, I mean, you know, as optimistic as I am, I'm still uh, unable to predict clean sheets, despite them being <laughs> more of the norm over the last 10 matches or so. So I, I'll say it's a, it's a, a hard fault 3-1, you know, where, where, yeah. the, where the game played does not really reflect the result. You know, it's a, a tight match, but we'll come out 3-1 winners. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of thinking the same thing, but I'm thinking more 2-1. Two, two, um, I think it's going to be tighter than that. I think Roma, I think Parma are fighting for their life, um, and, and they are literally fighting for their lives because they shouldn't be where they are. Um, and, and they are because they just can't win games. They, they, I, I don't know how, three 2-0 wins that we, 2-0 two, two leads, excuse me, that they've thrown away needlessly um, is what we can, you know, uh, that we, it's just what we is what we just you know I just came up with off the top of my head and it, it's not just that and they've been pretty woeful but I still think that they they do have something I think Daversa is also a skilled coach who should have they should have kept him to begin with they wouldn't be in this mess um, to begin with so I, I think we're gonna see something from them Torino and and Cagliari to really bring some life into this uh, into this relegation battle uh, but I still think that Inter have the quality. To see them off, I just pray and hope that neither Brozovic, Barella, Bastoni, and Lukaku get a yellow card because they need to be there against uh, Atalanta for sure. So two one for me. What about you, Will? Uh, I have two nil. I think maybe the goal's coming quite late. Uh, Bastoni scored in this game last week, uh, last year. So uh, maybe he can repeat the feat on Parma. Um, they are decimated up front. That's one thing that does go in our favour. Cornelius is definitely out. Gervinho might be as well. And we know that Gervinho ripped into us in the, in the reverse fixture. So that might, be, that might be helpful. But I agree it will be a tight game. You know, Parma, have, the last three games, they've taken the lead and not won any of them. But they have taken the lead. So uh, they're not a team that's, that's dead and is waiting for relegation despite their position in the table. So this is uh, it's going to be a tight game. I wouldn't rest anyone, despite the the obvious risk of, of getting someone suspended for Atalanta, because we just we're not clear enough ahead of, of Milan yet to be making uh, to be making calculations about who we who we rest and who we don't. So uh, full steam ahead, and um, let's hope Jovino is slightly injured in uh, seventy two hours time. <laughs> Mike, I'm with Will on two nil. I mean, for however much Parma has to fight for and however much they might have fighting spirit this is a team that by my count has one point out of their last six home fixtures 
if I'm looking at this correctly. So it's not like this fight has translated into anything actionable. Um, especially if Gervinho is out. I'm not terribly intimidated. You know, we talk about a Torino or a Cagliari. I think both of those teams have something special. You know, Andrea Belotti is a, you know, a fantastic striker who can, you know, threaten this, you know, threaten far more than a bottom table striker normally would. Alessio Cranio, we're all, at, you know, admirers of. We saw what he could do in the reverse fixture. There isn't really anything in Parma on paper that should trouble Inter. Um, you know, maybe they tighten up. This has traditionally been a bad fixture for Inter. But again, this is, if I'm right, then we shouldn't be looking at this Inter like the old Inter because I think something is different here. And I do trust that even if Parma do decide to park the bus and don't allow their counterattack, I just think there's enough creation now up the middle of the pitch. We have Hakimi back on the right. There's an actual left-sided threat with Perisic. There's just too many weapons. So I'm going to know. Mm, I like yeah, this that. is this is not this is not Parma Inter from 2014 with Paolo De Celia scoring twice and <laughs> two nil. This mm. those those days are gone. Hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, By the way, Parma they they scored. You mentioned that two all draw against Udinese in their last home game. Before that, they went eight home games without scoring. They hadn't yeah. scored since like October or something, which is absolutely extraordinary. So they they've clearly got. Uh, issues to score so well they, you know, they certainly and did. we've conceded one in seven so yeah and and that was a deflection but i think yeah um but f- let's move on to the atalanta game that's a game where i think it suits inter much better because atalanta are although they're a fantastically skilled team attacking wise who are, who are one of the best teams in europe provably by you know as as, as demonstrated by the results um <clears throat> i still think that this is a game that suits inter because Atalanta have one way to play, and that's go that they will go after you, um, and that suits Conte at least so far with against Lazio, against Milan, against Juve. When he gets to sit down deep and attack the space, he's happy, and his team is happy. Um, but having said that, it's Gasperini, and Gasperini has he is obsessed with 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 dist- with with raining on Inter's parade, and if he can in any way cause Inter to drop points, he will do that. Um, uh, and 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 also the fact that Inter have been doing, Inter have done pretty well against Atalanta recently. Um, I, I think that that's uh, that's something that kind of that that to me speaks more for Inter than than, than the Parma game in a sense, which feels much more like a trap game. Um, but so so I I, I feel. I feel I'm. I think Inter will win pretty comfortably against Atalanta because obviously the Champions League against Real Madrid is what they're looking at as well. Um, so no, I, I, I'm. I'm thinking um, a three-three-three-one win against Atalanta is where I am on that. What about what about you, uh, Mike? I mean, I largely. I, I think the the match will be a little tighter than you will. I'm a little nervous just because, as you said, they play one way, but they do that one way very, very well. Um, but that said, I mean, I generally agree. And I mean, and also I should say that the Madrid match is eight days away. So they've got time after the Inter match to focus on that. Um, I do think, though, that, yeah, the back line is weak. And there have been plenty of times where Inter are forced to play off the counter and they prefer to play off the counter and they will play off the counter. But this team just has so many more ways that they can play now. This isn't the Atalanta Inter fixtures where we knew Inter were just going to, you know, gift possession and would be technically outclassed in the middle of the pitch. That's not necessarily the case anymore with Christian Eriksen and Marcelo Brozovic and Nicolo Barella. So again, I just keep going back to, I think Mo, you know, over the last several episodes, I, I love how Mo has broken it down big picture and what he often comes to. And I think he's right. is just 
who has the better team, who has the better players, and who has the better manager. And it's just, at this point, I don't know, you know, Atalanta might do their one thing better than Inter could, but Inter can play that style now, and they can play the counter, and they can lock it down, and they can play bully ball, and they can play on the flanks. There's just so many ways now for this team to succeed if in the current form they're in. So I will say 2-1. I think it will be nervy. I don't think Inter will pull away the way that they did against Lazio and against uh, Juve Milan. But I do think Inter get all three points with this being at home. Hmm. Okay. What about you, Mo? Yeah, difficult one for me to predict. And uh, I always like to uh, uh, talk about these. And yeah, thanks uh, for the other shout out, Mike, as well. So, uh, um Look, I, I, I think the, the, the match will also depend on what we do in the previous match, what, what all teams do in the previous match, seeing these games are a bit close. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I just have a draw. Uh, I keep thinking it's a, it, it's a draw. Uh, I, I, maybe, maybe. Uh, yeah, let me put, put me down for a draw. Put me down for a draw. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think a draw against Atalanta is, is, is pretty much... Um... I mean, that, that could absolutely happen, and it did happen in the reverse fixture. Um, they kind of took each other out, but that was a different Inter. They were a completely different team. Um, I do think that if, if Antonio Conte is to make a change, I, I, it will be against Atalanta, because I do expect him to rotate yeah, a little bit. I was just going to say, I, I wonder if this is the match where we see, um, I mean, uh, we again, it all depends on suspensions, potential suspensions and otherwise, but, you know, all things being equal. Maybe this will be the match where Vidal steps back in. I think to give, so. Yeah, to give the the midfield a little bit more um, bite. Mm, you know, I, I I I don't know. I don't know. I, again, you know, I I I think it's a very winnable game. I think, like like Mike had just said, and and, and Will before. Uh, I think, uh, or maybe you did before, but uh, I I think, a Inter should win. It's a very winnable game. But I'm just, uh, I, I'm too, maybe I'm too nervous to predict too, uh, in a week, uh, clearly what is a very critical week to predict uh, six points. And we'll go for the, you know, the good old uh, four points a week uh, prediction for now, <laughs> just to hedge the bets, you know, and not, and, and not tempt back. the fates too much. Yeah, yeah you know, just uh, let's not tempt the fates too much. Mm. Uh, I think it's a winnable game, but uh, just uh, I'll, I'll predict a cautious four points. Well, what about you, Will? Are you on the four-point train or are you on the six-point train? Well, if I take this game individually, I agree with what you said about this being uh, theoretically a better game for Inter in terms of a, of a tactical approach because uh, we'll have the space to play into. But on the other hand, you know, we've won 14 of our last 17 league games since the reverse fixture against Atalanta in November. It's only Sampdoria, Roma, and Udinese who've, who've uh, got any kind of result against us in the league in the last three months. And uh, I wonder if, if this, you know, if we win both of these games, then you know we're 16 out of 19. Yet yeah, this is like insane form. So I don't know if I feel like it's just natural that there will be, not even necessarily because of a bad form, it's just because of the law averages. There'll come a game where we don't, you know, we don't get the result we want despite playing well. So it, it could well be that Atalanta game. But I go back to what I said before. I think this team is capable of. I mean, really, this team is favourites against anyone it plays in the league at the moment. You know, there's no. We are the most informed team. We're playing the best football. So uh, I am confident, despite what I just said. And I think it'll be a great game. I think the word intensity is the one that's flashing at me in in, in red lights. So if he, if Conte picks Ericsson for that, 
then that's a really interesting test for him. But I, I agree, maybe that's the one where he picks he picks Vidal for that exact reason. You know, if you match Atalanta for intensity, you've done maybe 60, 70% of the work. So uh, it'll be great. Um, it's good that we've got four days rest after the, the Parma uh, game. The, the fixtures, in the, terms of rest time, they've fallen quite nicely for us. Um, yeah, I think it'd be a great game. I think we'll probably win 2-1. Mm, nice Fucking one. Hell, you know, this. Uh, <laughs> if anyone wants to, you know, a definition of uh, guarded optimism or even like Pavlovian conditioning, <laughs> just uh, just speak to a bunch of interisti. You know, it's uh, it's crazy. <laughs> like, when when you listen to the logical breakdown, like will like you and Will just did, you know, we'll have space. We're in the most informed team. Blah blah blah. Of course, we're gonna win this game. You know, but no, no, no. Let's not tell the fates. Four points. Ah, <laughs> uh, you know, it's. Yeah, no, it's it's uh, so true. It's it's tough being in this. No, but it's like, it's not just that. It's just the fact that I just don't, you know, it's not, you know, I I agree. That is part of it. And also, Interbefa, as I said last week with Fulvio, I, I I have this. This is this has scarred me for like for life. This this notion of Inter screwing things up when they absolutely shouldn't be able to. But but having said that, I think you know. I am ready to say. I mean, again, I, I think that the Milan's game against Udinese and Hellas and Inter's against Parma and 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 Atalanta. I mean, again, seven points minimum, which could very much happen. Like it could very much be that it's minimum. It could be even eight points. It could be nine points. If it's like that, then it will. Oh, take... Milan could be two points ahead of us. Well, exactly. <laughs> but you see, that's what I mean. That's why I'm not ready. I think this is where it will be decided, um, and Ooh. and 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 that's that's where I am because the rest of the games, you know, when you get into that spring in 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 March, April, you know, after you know it's Sassuolo and Torino. After those, you know, those are a little bit trap games, but not the same way as these two are. They're they're different, um, and 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 to me, this is the the, the where, where where Inter are, where Milan are, uh, given the performance, the the brilliant tactical breakdown, how Pioli for once in his career was able to change the narrative. You know, he benched their their captain, brought in Tomori. He he used Kessi as a deep lying. Uh, playmaker to to free up Tonali and Sellemakers was was fantastic. I mean, it, it worked, and it, and the team responded to that. That's not the usual purely high crash. Usually, when he does changes, it just looks worse. That did not happen against Roma. Now we have to see if that's a, if that was a you know flash in the pan or the real thing. And and they go up against the most frustrating team in the Serie A. I mean, what Udinese can frustrate frustrate you to crawl out of your skin. And they've done that against Inter. They've done that against. They, they do it against all teams, um, and and I think this is a massive test. And that's why I keep saying. And and then you have Hellas, who are pretty much the same thing. So so th- I think this is where it's at. I think really this is where you'll see an indication. If it's anything less than seven points, this thing can go either way. Uh, don't even count Juventus because you don't even count them out. So I think this is where we are with that. Right, uh, let's move on to the part of the show where we pay tribute, rip, piss out of and criticize someone or something heavily in the world of football, starting with the positivity, which will be presented by Mr. Positivity himself, Mr. Mohamed Nasser. He's, he works a lot, he's intelligent, and he surprises uh, people sometimes with his uh, ideas. Not easy to find one person of this uh, qualities. So uh, we've uh, thanked uh, Antonio Conte for many things uh, over the past uh, year outside of uh, the results and whatever the 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 squirming in the in the stands the the 
on my, the hot mics screaming. And now we, we have to thank uh, Conte for the amazing Instagram. Uh, I think, Will, you mentioned it earlier. I'm loving these posts, man. This guy, this guy's a, this guy's a character. I really <laughs> love the fact that uh, he's, you know, clipping matches and, and, and really... Uh, but is it him, though? You see, that's the thing. I, I don't of know. Of course it's not him. I was going to say, like this, he's Antonio not, Conte at the age of 50 or so otherwise turns into an influencer. Like, mm, I don't know, man. <laughs> but I, I, I think it does speak to the general mood inside yeah. the intercamp, you know. And I think, uh, I mean, look, the, the, the moves themselves are, are Morati worthy. Uh, the football itself, like we've spoken about earlier, is, is fantastic. But the fact that you know it's uh, it's a bit cheeky now, and uh, I, I think it says it says a lot about where the the, the team's headspace is at, and I, I just think, uh, yeah, no, I, I like it very much. I I, I you know uh, I'm I, I like where Conte's at. I like where the team's at. I like where the football's at. I like I like how fired up everyone is, and in general, I think uh, you know. In and of themselves, the posts are indicative of that. So I'll I'll, I'll take them as my uh, Morati for the week. Mm, I think it nice. it is it is interesting that you know Conte is is off. He does get touchy when people uh, sort of insinuate that he's a counter-attacking or defensive coach. I think this is definitely him getting here. He's definitely enjoying highlighting his his liquid football, as Alan Partridge would say, in these intermoves. You know, he's <laughs> been he's been he's really enjoying sort of. Showing everyone in case they were in case they'd forgotten, but actually, you know, what were you saying, defensive coach? Well, look at this 10 players involved in one move. How'd you like that? So, I think but, he's even if it's not directly him, it's definitely it's definitely got his imprint on it in some form because I think he enjoys. Is, I think he's wrong. got a point there, and and I think I absolutely you see this this counter attacking narrative is is I, I don't buy it uh, at all. I know Inter are good at counter-attacking, but I don't think they're a counter-attacking side. I think Inter have so many ways to hurt to hurt teams. One of the ways, that, this is again, this is all Conte. And, and again, this is why I keep insisting that this guy is a tactical genius. What he did at Juventus with using Bonucci as his quarterback, where he just pinpoints passes. He's done that now from the left-hand side, playing crosses with Bastoni and Kolarov to a certain extent. Then you see what he did with Christian Eriksen in the Benevento and Genoa games, where, where Christian Eriksen is next to Handanovic and plays a 50-60 meter pass straight down the middle to a Romelu Lukaku that's charging like a runaway train. You know, these, these things are, this is Conte. All, all this has got his imprints all over it for, to, to get team, to get his players to see the game. And he really does see it in 3D. Um, and it's really interesting the way he sees it. It's, it's just, it, it's fascinating to see how he interprets the game because no one else does it like him. Honestly, no one does. He's unique in his style. Uh, and, and I remember during the Euros with, with that, that absolutely god-awful Italy team, when Xavi and Iniesta said, you, well, I think it was Xavi who told him that after the game, he was very proud in the post-match comment saying, Xavi told me we play like Barcelona, but much more direct and physical. Um, and, 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 I can under, and, and I agree with, with that. That is his philosophy. It is, it is a marching band, like you say, but it's, there's also a lot of thought and finesse. And he plays the game with his brain. And he's, he, you know these, these, these comparisons to him and Trapattoni, Maybe in terms of character and personality, but not tactically. They're completely different. 
Um, Trapattoni was the classical Italian 1-0 counter-attack close-down shot. Conte is not. And I think what he did with Chelsea absolutely proves that. And so he's he's a complex character. He's not a, he's not an easy. He's not, it's not a you know. He's, he's, there's many shades of gray with Antonio Conte, um, and 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 sometimes those those things can frustrate you or frustrate me to the point where I want to take you know, you know, pin you know I want to rip my head off because he drives me crazy. But but then you see these brilliant things and you're like, this guy is wow, the way he looks at the game. No one else looks plays the game like he does. So, you know, when it works, it's, it's again, like you said, it's a marching band. When it works and when the instruments are all in tune and, and, and no one's hung over in the band, it, it sounds brilliant. But, but you know, you gotta get you got to get everyone in line to do that. And that's, not, that's easier said than done. Right, let's uh, move on to something much more uh, comical. This week's Frog, which we presented by Mr. William Beckham. E' clamoroso! Autogol di Ranocchia! Yes, uh, this week's frog is a Chelsea. Um, now, I, I, I saw this article before their match against Manchester United uh, in the, the British tabloids, which uh, rather piqued my interest. Um, I think it's a, it's, a, it's a news reporter's dream because you can have so many, you can riff off with so many puns with this kind of story. But the story is essentially, and, you know, I... I haven't played football professionally. I haven't even played football in an amateur level for a very long time. So I think the idea behind this is quite, it might well be quite common, but the specifics of this are just something that I've not seen before. And it creates some very amusing images in my head. So the reason that Chelsea are the frog is because apparently for the last year or so, uh, their players have been using a microwave to warm their boots up before matches. Um, and this apparently is to, to make them sort of easier to wear. But, you know, the apparently they, it's like, so they, players use, uh, they, they'll use devices to heat their boots up. I can, I can get that. I can see the, the logic behind that. But a microwave, I think, is quite, <laughs> some, is quite something else to be taking into the dressing room. Apparently, uh, my initial thought when I saw this was this is some kind of new newfangled uh, modern football method that Thomas Tuchel had brought in. But apparently this has been there for a year in the dressing room and they take it to away games. So they've become very fond of it. <laughs> Bring a microwave with them. Do yeah. not tell me they do that. This, according to this, they do. <laughs> the, a, a club insider said, once the players have warmed their boots, other staff can use it to heat jacket potatoes too. It's very popular. Get out. Get I think, out. A, I think it was a joke, but, you know, I mentioned Did that. Did you read part. this on The Onion? Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> no, this is on The Sun. Um, oh, same I, thing. I mentioned, I mentioned <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, I mentioned Alan Partridge. I mean, using a microwave to heat your boots is very Alan Partridge as well, if, you, if you're familiar with his work. But no, so basically they use this, this, uh, this microwave to, to make sure they don't get cold feet uh, in the battle for the top that four. That is it's, insane. It's, it's unplugged and taken on the team bus to a domestic away game. <laughs> so they don't, take it, they don't take it into Europe, let's not be silly. And it's an integral no, part of pre-match uh, pre preparations. Uh, it's used to soften the players' boots and to make them more supple, supple and uh, comfortable to wear. Um, and it's to tackle stiffness in the boots. If you put it in for a minute or two, if, you, if, you're, if you're an amateur footballer and you want some tips, apparently you put it in for a minute or two. Uh, it doesn't give any advice on the heat. Yeah, I was uh, going to check the, 
check check the uh, check the label on your boots when you you buy them for microwave yeah, and make sure there's no metal in it otherwise it will explode yeah, yeah. Like, do they put the studs in there that's a very well, that's good that's the thing well, that's what i'm thinking they, they, they all have like plastic studs this is the craziest shit i've heard in a very long time yeah that is um, wow. but look they're unbeaten since two people came in. So clearly, at the moment, the microwave is there. It's the charm. microwave. If it, if this were if this were Italy, the, the microwave would be some would have some kind of superstitious power. Uh, oh yeah, and it would you know would have numbers tacked on it and, uh, and such like. My favorite part of that is that of course they don't bring it to Europe because that would be silly. <laughs> well, you know, you know, yeah. you don't travel with a microwave. Well, imagine trying to. T- <laughs> Sort of international customs, you know, it'd be, it'd be a nightmare, <laughs> especially with Brexit. They're not going to they're not going to allow you additional luggage like that, are you? Uh, um, oh, here we go. I've just I've just found the phrase "the beautiful game" at the bottom of this article. Oh See, I told God. you this this was a this was a journalist dream. Mm. Anyway, Chelsea, Jesus. microwaves. Yeah, don't try this at home. No, don't, don't, don't. And then put your jacket potatoes afterwards. Like no, nothing like nothing like old foot foot sweat to, to add to potatoes to, oh, if there's no. one thing I've always learned it's heat your jacket potato before your boots <laughs> yes exactly right <laughs> let's move on to something much more negative this week's Moji which we presented by Mr. Mike Pilucci I want to preface this by saying that I, I think on balance, Milan deserved all three points yesterday against Roma. They just mm. were the better team top to bottom. But man, Marco Guida was terrible at his uh, job. Just uh, not good for business, man. Uh, two very debatable missed penalties. The the one, Roma absolutely should have had one. And then the gall to then yellow card Mkhitaryan for being upset and not getting a penalty was just outrageous. Federico Fazio maybe kind of probably should have been red carded. I yeah. still don't know. But Federico, but Federico Fazio is so clumsy that you probably could just give him the benefit of the doubt and assume he should have. But it was just a disaster. Again, like the end result was probably what it should have been. I don't think there's really much of an argument no. for, a, for a draw in that. But it was the way that they got there. It was just embarrassing. I couldn't agree with you more. Um, it's it, this is why Marco Guida is is not a good referee. It's the it's his ability to ruin games with, with his ridiculously inconsistent calls. If you're going to give the penalty to Calabria, then you have to give the penalty on Mikitarian where right. Teo Hernandez has is holding his leg. Like <laughs> yeah, this is you. He has his arm around Mikitarian's leg. Like if that's not impeding play, I. Don't know it what looked it like is. a professional wrestler going for like a submission <laughs> hold or something. He really did. And then you have the missed penalty on on Rafael Liao. And then you also have with the Vera 2 thing previous to that. I mean, and then Fazio should absolutely have been sent off uh, for, for ironically applauding the referee, as Koulibaly has been, as Wesley Snyder has famously been. As Yeah, that, that is the thing. If you're going to have that call, you've got to enforce that call. So, yeah. You know. I mean, it was, just, it was just a disaster. And like, it really is disappointing because... There were some stretches of really exciting play in there when it wasn't getting marred by Marco Guida, and obviously there were a lot of stakes, but I think anybody who watched that match came away just Marco Guida was the main takeaway. And when that's yeah. when you're talking about the ref more than anything on the pitch, then something's gone horribly wrong. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. That's all we had time for this week. I'd like to thank Andrew Pickering. I'd like to thank you, Mo. 
Yeah, no, thank you very much. It was a great episode and always, uh, always fun to be here. Mr. William Beckman. Thank you. Uh, Suning, uh, they, uh, they considered selling Yangzhou FC for one cent before they ceased business this week. So if you want to find out if they're going to try the same with Inter, then uh, <laughs> stick to semprainter.com. Spoiler, they're not going to do that. But uh, <laughs> please keep up to date. It's, every day is an adventure at the moment. It sure is. And if they're letting it go for one cent, I might make a bid myself. Um, Reverend Mike, always a pleasure. Thanks for having me, boys. Forza Inter. Absolutely. Until next week, I'm your host, Nima Tavale Rutsari, wishing you a good week. Stay safe, stay healthy, can listen to your listen to your authorities, and wishing you six points and sempre e solo forza inter. <laughs>